This is the Trinitonian Podcast, your source for a weekly roundup of Trinity University news. I'm Dominic Anthony. You can find more independent journalism and in-depth content at our website, trinitonian.com. Oil money fuels the operations and endowment of Trinity University. In light of accelerating climate change and a potential climate crisis, many universities are under pressure to divest from these funds. The Trinitonian's Jolie Francis reports on Trinity's slow steps towards a financial future free of fossil fuels. Trinity's Board of Trustees understands oil and mineral holdings to be a key component of Trinity's investments. Tess Cudi Anders, Vice President for Strategic Communications and Marketing, explains the trustees' perspectives. The board fully appreciates the donors who provided a strong foundation for Trinity's endowment Mm -hmm. and recognizes that a lot of that, because we're in Texas, came from families who um, made those fortunes in oil and gas. Oil funds fuel scholarships, departmental budgets, building renovations, and the endowment. Senior Catherine Jones, president of EcoAllies, explains that in essence, everyone is benefiting from this money. We all benefit from that just by going to Trinity, I guess. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like straightforward, but you know, ultimately, like Trinity is paying for most of our educations with oil and gas money. But I think that in the long term, that should shift because either they're going to keep investing in oil and gas, and oil and gas is going to keep growing and it's going to deteriorate the environment. And I don't even know what that future is going to look like. Or, you know, like, oil and gas is going to decline and Trinity's not going to have a very stable financial base anymore. So I think like the long-term best option would be to divest. And Trinity is taking steps towards divestment. In 2017, the university made its first investment into a fully renewable private investment fund. Money in this fund can only be invested into sustainable assets. But Trinity isn't cutting all connection to the oil industry. Of the four newly appointed trustees, Anel Arbe worked for 35 years in the oil and gas industry. Richard Reed, professor of anthropology and sociology, thinks a divergence should be made in the board of trustees as well. Rather than getting these old fat petroleum men, (laughs) they could get women, young women who are scientists, and Mm -hmm. that would really change the shape of the the Change is being made, but the process is done step by step, according to Cootie Anders. What else should we be doing with our money? How could we be investing renewables? How could we be looking at diversifying um, our investments going forward? So we can honor the past, but it doesn't mean we have to live there. Mm -hmm. We should definitely look at how we're living in the future. It's not a jump. We're not jumping a ditch. It's a bridge we have to cross over. And we have both board members and investments that are helping us cross over that bridge. Since investments and donations are part of Trinity's budget, precautions are taken to ensure a stable foundation for the institution. The oil is being burned out of the Trinity budget, but it's a slow, steady blaze. Jolie Francis, Trinitonian News. In the span of one month, three separate floods have damaged three academic buildings. First was the Dickey Art and Smith Music Building, Next, the Ruth Taylor Fine Arts Center. The Trinitonian's Gabriela Garriga reports on the most recent flood and a possible serial vandal. On Tuesday morning, water was discovered in the basement of Chapman Building, covering the floors of all classrooms. The source of the water break was a broken urinal handle. Facility services suspects that the break was caused on purpose. As of this afternoon, we're leaning towards vandalism. Oh, really? 
Yes. The voice of Senior Director of Facility Services, James Baker. One of the flush valves on the urinal in the men's restroom, the handle where you normally flush was impacted so hard that it broke the housing, which meant it was leaking immediately. And we think about one o'clock in the morning was the time of the vandalism. I want to emphasize we're leaning in that direction. I can't say for sure. Additionally, during Monday night, another urinal leak was discovered in Ruth Taylor Building. And we had a subsequent event in the Ruth Taylor restroom where another flush valve was broke exactly like the one in Chapman. So what was the damage done in Chapman and Ruth Taylor then? Uh, Ruth Taylor, none. Thank goodness they didn't break it enough. They broke it and it leaked during the flushing cycle. Mm-hmm. But then it wasn't broken enough that it wouldn't reset, right? So the it flushed the normal duration, then it stopped leaking. But the one in Chapman, it was broken up that once it started leaking, it probably ran for hours. Denise Jones, Vice President for Academic Affairs, sent an email to the student body at 6.26 a.m. on Tuesday morning explaining that classes held in the Chapman basement would be canceled. On Thursday, classes were still relocated. According to Baker, classes in Chapman will resume next week. Gabriela Griga, Trinitonian News. Sending sexually explicit pictures without consent is a newly defined offense under Texas criminal law. The Trinitonian's Lindsay Morgan reports. Texas state lawmakers passed House Bill 2789, which bans sending sexually explicit material without consent. Under this ban, sending unsolicited pictures is now a misdemeanor that is punishable with a fine of up to $500. David Tuttle believes that the main takeaway from the new law is that it gives recipients of unsolicited pictures power to pursue criminal charges. I think it might give students more options to take things off campus and, and give, them, give them leverage. And so I think that that's important. Sending these types of non-consensual pictures has always been against Trinity policy. And the new law does not change the way Trinity will handle these cases. Lindsay Morgan, Trinitonian News. Members of the Faculty Senate, the governing body for Trinity Faculty, are proposing a new initiative which would allow contingent faculty members to serve and vote on the Senate. As of now, contingent faculty members, or professors who are not on the tenure track, are not allowed to serve on the committee. The Trinitonian's Gabriela Garriga reports on efforts to change that. Judith Norman, professor of philosophy and member of the Faculty Senate, hopes to bring contingent faculty more leverage in the university by allowing them to sit and vote on the Faculty Senate, which decides policies that affect faculty at Trinity. I think, lots of people think, that um, contingent faculty should be uh, participate in these decisions, both in terms of voting for senators and um, serving as senators. Once contingent faculty help participate in university governance um, and have a seat at the table basically in decision making, mm-hmm. um, then um, they can advocate for themselves. At Trinity, there are several categories of professors, each of which determines pay, benefits, and job security. Categories include professor, associate professor, assistant professor, visiting assistant professor, visiting professor, and adjunct professor. Visiting professors and visiting assistant professors who are hired on a yearly contract basis and adjunct professors who are paid per course are considered contingent. They receive little to no benefits and are typically paid less than their colleagues. They must reapply yearly to stay at Trinity and are expected to teach the same number of classes as a professor, though they are not on a tenure track. Adjunct professors are paid per course and are hired on contract. 
According to Norman, it is difficult to get accurate representative numbers for contingent faculty versus tenure track faculty for each semester. She says contingent professors should have a seat and a voice at the table where decisions which affect all faculty are made. I think it's important that full-time faculty not say, ooh, contingent faculty want this, they want that, they want that. I think it's important that contingent faculty be part of the ones who are saying, we want this, we want that, we want that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like full-time faculty have to, you know, guess or there's this roundabout way of, you know, what do you guys want? It's like fa contingent faculty are able to advocate for their own uh, needs. The proposal is still in the planning stage. Gabriela Griga, Trinitonian News. Trinity University's debate team is two tournaments into their season. At the most recent competition, two Trinity seniors placed in the top 20. The Trinitonian's Logan Cruz reports. The debate team traveled to University of Kentucky, and seniors Ian Dill and Anj Kular play 17th out of about 75. Dill and Kular work on debate prep for about two to three hours each day. Dill says this year's difficult topic, space policy, makes the research enjoyable. I just enjoy sort of like the academic research component and having the reward for good research come in a competitive setting. Um, I mean, it's basically just, in my mind, debate is at its best when it's just a research game who's best at researching a given topic and who can find the best literature on it. The debate team as a whole introduced six new first years this semester. Kular, who has been on the team throughout his time at Trinity, thinks the debate experience will spur their growth as students. He says his work with the team has helped with his academics. Director of Debate William Jensen is in his sixth year as the Trinity Debate Coach. He agrees that there is overlap between academics and debate. Debate really trains the mind to be able to assess, analyze, and approach arguments from a very particular, sophisticated, um, and specific right, orientation. And so, you know, given you know, four years of participation on the debate team, um, those, those people, as I say students, but they're not students anymore once they graduate, right? Um, they go out into the, into the world and have a different capacity, I think, than um, most you know, other students get in other academic programs. So it's kind of like this very, it's a depth model of education rather than the breadth model. Um, and so in a way, it, it, it combines some of the best aspects of um, a liberal arts experience but clarifies, you know, concentrates and then concretizes that experience in a very particular and focused manner. Dill says the team will continue to research national space policy now that two tournaments have exposed them to other teams' arguments. You know, being able to watch what other people find and other people's arguments definitely helps us refine ours. Um, and that happens all the time because there's some I mean, lots of teams that are better than us and that have been better than us in the past that we can learn from. He says debate isn't just about winning, but also about learning to accept loss. It's just tough, especially given how much time. I mean, if you, it's easy to rationalize it as like you spend so much time doing all this research, and then you know someone comes along and makes a decision that doesn't make sense. It's like it feels a little. It can feel bad, um, and it does early on. But being able to kind of like you know, see through that and like move past that is pretty helpful for like making debates sustainable and like fun. Dylan Kular hope to make it to the national debate tournament in March when the top teams in the country will compete. That story comes to us from Trinitonian Pulse reporter Logan Cruz. The Trinitonian podcast is edited by Kathleen Creedon and Kendra Derrig and produced by me, Dominic Anthony. To catch up on the latest news, visit trinitonian.com.